if I walk through the shop and pick something up off the floor because I see it there, it's because I've had to sweep floors before. And I don't expect somebody else to just do it because of whatever their current position is in the organization. And I think that moves its way through. And anybody who tries to use position as a piece of leverage and that kind of thing, they fall off really quickly. Welcome to the Sask Entrepreneurs Podcast. Each week, we bring you an interview featuring an entrepreneur or business leader in the Saskatchewan province. We dive into their journey, lessons learned, and views on the outlook of the Saskatchewan business market. This episode is brought to you by TwoWeb. Growing your business online is overwhelming. At TwoWeb, we make it simple. Our agency has helped over 700 businesses and nonprofit organizations grow through digital marketing. Learn more and reach out to us at TwoWeb.ca. Welcome to the Sask Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today we have a very exciting guest, Trent Meyer, who is born and raised in Saskatchewan, working since the age of nine when he first started his uh, first paper route back in, with Star Phoenix. And uh, since then, he's uh, always had a job. So Trent, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Trent, based on your current role, can you tell us a little bit about where you are now and how you ended up here? Sure. So currently I'm the president of High Tech Profiles, which is a steel processing company in Regina. High Tech's been around for about 25 years and I took over about three years ago. It's majority owned by the Saskworks Venture Fund here in Saskatchewan and as well as a few of us on the management team. How I ended up here, it's a, it's a long winding road. I started my career out in in sales after after my university education uh, was not what I thought I was going to get into. I thought that I was going to get into economic development, which was more aligned with my degree, but I needed a job and just took the job that was there and started doing a lot of the things that other people didn't want to do. And through that, ended up getting into export work with a number of ag equipment manufacturers, which really gave me an opportunity to see the world from a different point of view. And over time, I then transitioned into running a parts and service organization for a large equipment dealership, which really grounded out my experience as far as people leadership and managing a large P&L statement. And a few years ago, PFM Capital, who manages the Saskworks Venture Fund, reached out to me to see if I'd be interested in joining Hitech as, as the president and managing shareholder. That's great. So about your backstory, I find it quite exciting that uh, you obviously went to the University of Saskatchewan over here, but then graduated from University of Guelph. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey as to how you actually ended up coming back to Saskatchewan through your career? I ended up in Guelph because I was chasing a girl. I was tree planting in the summer in BC and met my now wife, Megan, and quit U of S and moved to Guelph. And uh and changed degree paths from a business degree at U of S to a Bachelor of Arts at the University of Guelph. And then for about seven or eight years after university, we had settled in Southern Manitoba. And by the time we moved back here, we had two young kids and I was traveling a lot overseas and my family's here in Saskatchewan and my wife's family's in Southern Ontario. We decided that moving to Regina was a, a good opportunity for us to get a little bit closer to family and and get back to Saskatchewan, which is was a bit of a desire of ours. That's great. What a journey. 
But it's good that you're back in in Saskatchewan and and there in Regina and obviously high tech profiles. A uh, great company, big, long history. Can you tell us, give me a little bit more insight about what does uh, Hitech Profile do and, and what are the services that they provide? Sure. So we've been, some of our clients have termed us as like Switzerland. So we do business with everybody in certain industries. So we're processing steel with by cutting it with lasers, plasma, torch. We have a tube laser, we have a router, we have a water jet. So multiple different pro- multiple different types of material, but also types of cutting that that lend themselves to different operations. And so we're buying flat or long steel and processing it to the specifications of different manufacturers in egg equipment, in industrial fabrication, machine shops, creative industry signs, and things like that. And a lot of new inventors, people that are just starting out, trying to figure out how to build something will come to us and, and work with us to build what, what they need. So we, we're really working with people that are doing $50 in business into the seven digits. It just depends on what who they are and what they need. And we really don't discriminate on size or anything like that. So quite a range of, of services in terms of the the target audience that is concerned. So that's, that's interesting. And I was going through the profile there, and it seems you're one of the largest companies that processes steel here in Saskatchewan. Yeah, because most of the companies are private, we don't really know exactly how big everybody is, and it depends on how you measure it. But as far as companies that aren't don't have an actual product, we would likely be the largest in in the province and potentially in Western Canada for a single or for a multi-location, but really smaller footprint organization for sure. So what is it that you think gives you that competitive edge in the industry today? I think a lot of it comes down to relationships, whether they're old long-term relationships or they're new relationships. I think we really put a focus on delivering what a customer needs and it comes down to our people at the end of the day. The culture here has always been, for lack of a better term, a get it done type attitude. And we, uh, one story that really sticks out was that early on in the pandemic, there was a company here in Saskatchewan that was sub, subcontracting to build components for emergency hospital beds that were being shipped to the U.S. And on a Thursday evening, might have been a Wednesday evening, they had come to us with some drawings, asked if we could potentially make one sample by by the weekend. And by Friday, it was 50 for Sunday morning. And within a week, we were producing 250 beds a week worth of material. And the if we had everything sitting here and and we had all the knowledge that would have been one thing, but we were literally reaching across the country and across North America to buy material to, and we were redesigning everything on the fly and sending product to this customer and they'd weld it and paint it and see how it fit and get back to us. And it was a very dynamic situation where over the course of a, a few months, we, we delivered thousands of beds worth of material to this company and, and really helped design it. And, that was a two or three day ramp up to for us. And at the time it, it put pressure on our people, it put pressure on our on our supply chain, but really invigorated our staff as well. And we had people excited to do it. And 
and it, we didn't have to ask somebody to come in on Saturday to help do the redesign. The the people wanted to be here because that's what that's what they are here for. They that's what gets them going and gets them out of bed in the morning. And yeah, sure, we have certain things that are kind of more pedestrian and you know less exciting, but the opportunity to work on some of these things is pretty pretty darn cool. And I think that really speaks to the culture that we have here. And that would be the recipe for success. You know. Yeah. It really fascinates me the agility that you have in place when it comes to somebody coming up with an idea and you being able to serve that customer in such a rapid time frame. I can understand due to COVID, there has been a lot of difficult situations for many companies. And, and it seems that you've definitely um, helped customers in that phase. So how has COVID impacted high-tech profiles itself? I think at the beginning, obviously, we were like everybody else. We had, to, we had a bit of a lull where companies were shutting down, closing for a week or two to try to understand what they had to do to comply with any both government regulations, but also just trying to understand what they needed to do for their people. And, but that really didn't last that long. Really by May of 2019, was that 2020, May of 2020, we were really starting to ramp and production demands were starting to hit us. And that's not to say that we didn't have challenges. We're working in a larger work area, multiple shifts. We've got over a hundred staff now, but we're really in three different buildings over multiple you know shifts through to be able to run 24 7 and so it didn't impact us from a uh, shutdown perspective because we're considered essential we're serving key industries including medical but what i think the long-term impact of COVID is going to be is around reshoring of manufacturing and bringing some things back here and and being a trusted supply chain partner of a lot of larger Saskatchewan businesses, I believe that it's going to really invigorate us over time. And we're seeing some of that already. And, and I believe that people are going to be less likely, especially in the short term, which I would consider three to five years to be relatively short term, to, to put things back offshore because they see some of the vulnerabilities in their supply chains and the more they can keep close to them, the better. It, that's the long-term impact I think is gonna be positive for us. One of the other areas that we've really looked at more, more intently is automation. Obviously, when you have the risk of people being shut down for weeks at a time and that kind of thing, you have to consider it. But fortunately for us, our staff have, we didn't have any break, outbreaks here knock wood. And we did have people who contracted COVID in our group without any significant negative outcomes, but we didn't have it happen here in our workplace. And we took a lot of precautions prior to government regulation forcing it. And I think that served us well. So you talked earlier about having a strong team in place, the culture that you've actually incorporated. It's tough for companies to establish a culture, a strong work ethic and a culture that really cares about the customer. Do you have any ideas as to how potential companies can actually build a strong culture uh, within their workplace? I think the first thing that, that you need is you need to be authentic and insofar as having people that are running the company that, that, can, that have done it. And maybe they haven't done exactly that job, but it's really hard to ask people to work shift work if you've never done shift work because you'd, 
you don't really understand the impact that it might have on their family and that kind of thing. It's the same with asking people to travel or if, if you're asking, you know, them to put in a little bit extra time. And I think that having a group on our management team who are empathetic to the, the needs of our people and so far as we've been there and some of us are still there, that helps. And you can't make that up. Like that's not something that you can just invent. And that's the mistake that a lot of people who try to replicate something make is that you can't just say the words and that happens. And you have to actually have done it. You have to actually care. You have to actually have been in those shoes. And, and I believe that's what we have in our business. We have multiple people that have been here since the first year of the business. Some of them are, some of them are, are owners in the business now. And they all start out on the floor. So when they ask somebody to do something, they can genuinely say, I've done that. If I walk through the shop and pick something up off the floor because I see it there, it's because I've had to sweep floors before and I understand what it's like. And, and I don't expect somebody else to just do it because of whatever their current position is in the organization. And I think that that just moves its way through and anybody who tries to use position as a piece of leverage and that kind of thing, they, they fall off really quickly because people see through it. Mm. You yourself has, have been with the company for about three and a half years. And where do you see the biggest opportunities for the company in the near future? Like I said, some of the onshoring opportunities that I see are pretty obvious. We're constantly uh, evaluating new technologies, new services, the types of things that maybe aren't, don't make sense for one company to bring in and invest in. But if we spread them across 100 companies or 500 companies that we're doing business with, then we can justify investing in it. Those are the types of things that, you know, things like 3D metal printing and other emerging technologies that I believe are going to change the way that we look at manufacturing and the way that we look at product development are likely where high tech will end up trending towards over the, over time for sure. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were one of the first companies to incorporate laser cutting technology. Is that correct? Or Yeah, there's, I, I want to say it's about 25 years ago that high tech got its first laser and it's not what they had at the beginning. It was a, a plasma and, or sorry, a shear and a break. And that's all they had. And then they got a plasma and a laser and more breaks. And yeah, so laser has been around in, in our business for since near the, the founding of it. But five years ago, we brought in a tube laser and, you know, that was a product that hadn't been, there was nobody else in Saskatchewan that was had it out as for hire as opposed to internally in their business. And it took a long time to build that up as a desired service here in Saskatchewan and beyond. But over time, companies have learned how to design around it. And that's the flow that we have. And, and today we're adopting newer laser technology, faster, better, higher quality, uh, more automated and bringing other things to the forefront as far as services around metal processing and with our newer facility in Saskatoon we've got you know, the ability to process other materials like plastics and and carbon fiber and that kind of thing that again change the dynamics of our business 
obviously investing in tech has been a key piece in advancing you forward as a company and innovation is really uh, a key area that that helps you uh, achieve success do you find that the technology itself is changing now in your industry over the next few years it's going to be rapidly changing or is it is it just evolving at a standard pace as it was before i think you know a handful of years ago, fiber laser technology, which is just a way of delivering the power to the laser cutting head, was more, a bit more experimental insofar as it wasn't as stable. And it seems to have stabilized now and power, the amount of power that they're putting to those heads has started to grow substantially. It's a, I'd say it's advancing faster than what it used to, but it's also a lot easier for us to adopt because we've got a larger workforce, a younger workforce that understands, you know, technology on a different level than maybe some of our, you know, older staff do. And, but everything's a bit more user-friendly as well. And, you know, the benefit that we bring or that we have is that we're spreading that investment over a larger company today. And I think the real guts was when people, my predecessors 25 years ago were putting it all in to, to bring in technology that most of their customers told them that nobody needed. And so now when we bring something in that says that everybody says they don't need, the risk is a little bit lower because we've got a, we've got a bigger business base under it, but, and behind it, but I don't know exactly how to, you know, best answer that other than to say, I think it's moving faster. It's not tech industry fast. I wouldn't say because there are a lot of mechanical moving parts that need to be tested out in a different way. And you can't just beta test and go, and it's got a bigger, greater risk for downtime and that kind of thing. But I would say that it's moving faster than it did in the past, for sure. Mm, for sure. Obviously in today's climate and uh, going as we're going through this pandemic, businesses are really struggling in surviving and, and basically helping them grow. What I get from high-tech profiles is that obviously in addition to the customer loyalty that you have, as well as the corporate culture and the investment in technology, are there any other suggestions or any other ideas that you can provide to our audience that would help them grow in this, in this market today? I think one of the first things is to turn off social media, which I admittedly have a problem with, just because it's, there's a lot of negativity out there. And I think that I look at some businesses that, that still are operating like there's a war zone outside their door. I don't buy that. We've operated all the way through safely, asked our staff to buy into the safety protocols that we're promoting. And in exchange, they get to have a job because if they didn't, we might not, they might not have a job if they didn't buy into it. I think that listening to the important things is matters, but there's a lot of there's a lot of noise out there but really digging into at the end of the day digging into where you provide value is to your end to your customer is going to serve you whether we're in a pandemic or whether you're in growth mode you can't be doing wasteful things uh, they might feel good but if they don't pay and something else it, it doesn't pay for them you need to shed that especially when things are tight and we did some of that. We got more competitive in ways that, that mattered to us. And they trimmed certain things from our risk. And whether that was just getting rid of certain 
things, ways that we bought things, ways that we communicated with customers, ways that we price things, or something less, something more, something more basic, like just what we provide our, our people. And there's always a way to get things done. I think that, and that again, goes back to our culture. Last year, obviously nobody had any Christmas parties and, but we still thought that it was important that we celebrated with our staff. So instead of getting together, we actually did a, um, we did an at-home Christmas party where staff got to pick two to, there were three nights where they could pick where a local restaurant would deliver a slight out of a selection of certain of menu a three course meal and a bottle of wine or four pack of beer and things that we you know we couldn't have a christmas party not in person but we made it happen and i think that that's the type of that's the type of attitude and the type of approach that you need to take with your business as well which is if there's something standing in your way like how do we get around this it can't always be just okay we're just going to shut down for a while that eventually that catches up to you. Yeah, so true. I think that that's actually a really valuable lesson. I think a lot of businesses that did shut down, they realized that they have to come back. They have to find a method to keep things going and in a safe way. And, uh, and obviously a lot of businesses, depending on the industry that you're in, have suffered. But, uh, and, and some have chosen to pivot drastically from what they were doing before but you have to evolve with changing times. I think that mindset is really important. And then taking care of the people that are actually working for you, I think is a key piece, which I think you've, you've highlighted quite prominently there. So I think that's a very important factor. If you were to go back 10 years, what advice would you give to your younger self? It, it's hard because I think that you learn something from everything that you do. And I wouldn't be who I am today if I didn't do all the things that I did. But on some level, I think that I'd tell my 10-year younger self to bet on myself earlier. I probably hesitated a couple of times before I really put my money where my mouth was. I always said I wanted to be an owner and be a run the whole business and do it all. And it's hard. It's not for everyone, but I think that it would have been... Uh, wiser I, I i probably have more money if i bet on myself earlier i don't know if i'd be happier but that's probably what i'd say okay that's good so based on your experience and the challenges that you've overcome over the years if there was one big takeaway that you could give to our listeners what would that be do the things that nobody else wants to do the things that aren't the opportunity of the day or the the cool thing that's not where the money is the money's in the things that most people don't want to do if all your friends are getting into some into an industry it, it's probably not that profitable so really that's how i built my career you know i got into export work because nobody else wanted to do it we were Europe was, Eastern Europe was blowing up with ag equipment opportunities. And we were at the time, this was in the mid, like to, around 2005, we were, we'd come in the morning and there'd be all these faxes all over the floor of bid requests for ag equipment in, in Russia. And I just started doing it because nobody else wanted to, you know, and th that's literally how I got into it. And I think that if you either you do it, 
from a business perspective or personally, if you're doing the things that nobody else wants to do, you're either going to be learning some valuable things or you're going to be going down a path where that's where the money lies. That's where the profit is because nobody else wanted to do it. And if it's a crowded marketplace, guaranteed it's not profitable. That's basic, like first year economics. <laughs> you know, that's true. Final question, Trent, where can people find out more about yourself and contact you online? Myself, I'm reasonably active on LinkedIn, but our company, High Tech Profiles, www.hightechprofiles.com. We've got a, we've got an Instagram page, a Facebook page that depending on the time of year are more or less active, but those are the best ways to track us down. And, and I'm always open to sit down with people that are new to the industry or not in the industry and wanting to find out more for a coffee or take people on tours of our facility here in Regina or Saskatoon. We're really an open book in a lot of ways. That's great. I'll definitely make sure that we include a link to the website as well as your LinkedIn profile. But thank you so much, uh, Trent, today to take the time and, and do this uh, interview. It's been actually a pleasure to chat with you and learn about your background and, and high-tech profiles. Wish you the best and uh, take care. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening, and we hope you found this episode useful. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star review. You can see more information and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at saskentrepreneurs.com. That's S-A-S-K, entrepreneurs.com. This episode is brought to you by 2Web. Growing your business online is overwhelming. At 2Web, we make it simple. Our agency has helped over 700 businesses and nonprofit organizations grow through digital marketing. Learn more and reach out to us at 2Web.ca.